Hey everybody, John Fan Church Without Walls International, CWOWI.org. We're a house church network, uh, meeting uh, the way the early church did uh, in homes, rotating homes, rotating who leads, uh, taking turns, making sure our needs are met uh, among the body. And when you outgrow a house because people have been used to sharing and leading and hosting, then you just multiply out and they begin rotating. And that's how the, the church went from 120 at Pentecost to saturating the Roman Empire in under 300 years. So we just follow that, those simple guidelines. Visit our website, sign up for my weekly thoughts, my monthly e-newsletter. Uh, it's there that uh, in those teachings and stuff where I put things prophetic, where I put news of our Zoom online meetings, our conferences, things of that nature. Also, I want to encourage you, I recently did an interview on Deep Believer. If you go to YouTube and look for the channel Deep Believer, there's about a two-hour interview I did of, of when I went to heaven and many other things. So I hope you'll visit that as well. So cwowi.org. Uh, today, continuing part three of some of the things I've learned and some of the things that may be uh, a little bit humorous to you, things that either the Father's spoken to me or or in a visitation or something like that, um, and some things that will be thought-provoking. Um, a lot of hopefully will be, be thought-provoking. Um, one of the things early on before Barb and I were married, uh, this was August of 1978, we were married in September. And so a month before I was getting married and the Lord, the father started talking to me about marriage, about being a husband and everything else. And I had taken into that prayer time a question about First uh, Timothy 5.14. Paul is talking about things. He's, he's addressing Timothy in that last sentence. He's, being, he's saying, be careful of rich people, their motives and, and everything else. He's talking about, uh, uh, in that particular instance, uh, people who wanted just free gift and not really uh, didn't demonstrate any Christian character. And everything, and then he, he kind of makes this statement. It's a one-liner. He says, I want the younger women just to marry, have kids, rule their household. Now, in the King James Version, it says, in First Timothy 5.14, it says, guide the house. But if you look in the Greek, in the margin of my open Bible counselor's edition at the time, and that I still have, it says, rule the house. And you look it up in the Greek, and it is rule the house. So Paul is saying, I just want the younger women to marry, have kids, rule their house, and, <laughs> and live godly lives. And... Uh, and so I, I took that into prayer and I said, Father, I said, look, this says the wife is supposed to rule the house. I always thought the husband was the head of the house. And he just instantly spoke back to me and he said this. He said, what is a house? And I said, I said, well, it's the physical plant. It's the wiring and the plumbing and the walls and the roof and everything. He said, very well. He said, and what is a home? And I said, well, the home is the intangibles. It's the love, the security, the peace, that that." you know, that atmosphere that you feel when you walk through the door and when you live there. He said, very well. Then the wife is the head of the house, but the husband's the head of the home. And, you know, and immediately, you know, here I am, uh, you know, just 20 years old. And I'm thinking, I've got the father now. He's like, but father, that means if the kitchen sink is plugged up or something's wrong, the head of the house, that would be the wife. She has to fix that. And he, he spoke back. He said, she may, or she may get the head of the home to fix it. Because if that sink isn't fixed, then the intangible qualities of that home uh, will be jeopardized or will be in jeopardy. And so I thought, okay, he had me. <laughs> and to that end, let me explain. When Barbara and I first got married, our little apartment in, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, <clears throat> probably that first week after our honeymoon, the kitchen, the kitchen trash was filled up. And Barb said, the trash is filled up. And we lived in an upstairs apartment because it was cheaper to live up on the you know, second or third floor, wherever it was, and to take the trash down to the dumpster in the parking lot. She said, the, the trash is filled up. You need to empty it. 
And I looked at her and I said, well, in our household, whoever topped it off takes it, takes out the trash. And she looked at me, she said, well, in my household, my dad took the trash out. So please take the trash out. <laughs> I've been taking the trash out ever since. Because if the trash isn't emptied, then the intangible qualities of the house, the physical plant, will suffer. Not to mention the smell, the piling up of garbage and everything else, but the relationship between my wife and I. So I take out the trash to this day. Uh, so as to not affect the, negatively affect the, the home, the qualities that make it a home. Um, <clears throat> one time, let me, let me share with you, there was a, a time thought provoking. Well, no, let's, let's, let's switch to, uh, um, let's keep with something humorous here. Um, I was changing planes in Dallas, Texas one time. And just as we're the planes rolling up and I'm about to, to come into the gate, I saw my angel come like, just like anybody else would get on the plane, you know, comes around the bulkhead and then comes partway down the aisle, only partway, a few feet down the aisle. And he looked at me and he said, watch your head on the way out. Now, you know, angels come from the father, come from the Lord for, with a message. And so this was highly unusual. But, um, but anyway, so I thought, okay, so, you know, just then, just after he, he turns around, he walks back up and he, and he exits left, uh, like where they were soon going to open the door and let us out. And, uh, you know, two seconds after he said that and exited, you know, the plane's there, uh, the seatbelt light goes off, everybody's standing up, getting their overhead luggage. And, uh, I promptly forgot everything he said. And, um, and so, when I go out, the pilot is standing there and the flight attendant, and they say, thank you for flying with us, uh, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and everything. And I turned my head and I said, thanks, you have a good day. And I promptly just, boom, hit my head on the on the way out. I'm six foot six, almost two meters tall, and my neck crunched right back here, this muscle on the back left of my, of my neck. I fell to my knees, I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And then I... I kind of, you know, took my head around like that and kind of made sure I was okay. I, and I, it was getting better. So I, I stood up and the, the, nur the nurse, the flight attendant's like, we'll get you a nurse, we'll get you a doctor. Just stay right there, you know. I said, no, 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 I'm okay. Thank you, though. And I walk out and there's that little open area right where they put, you know, bags and stuff like that, just right outside the airplane. And the angel's laughing. He goes, he goes I told you to watch your head on the way out. And, you know, sometimes uh, those little messages are, are important. Sometimes they're just inconsequential, but this one, this one was like in between there, you know, cause I definitely hurt my neck, but fortunately the Lord's grace, I commanded it to be healed in the name of Jesus. And it was, uh, quickly responded. Um, there was another thing when I was a kid, uh, when I'm not sure if I shared this in part one and two or not, but I'll, I'll share it with you. One of the first things the father told me was, uh, and even if I did Bears worth, bears repeating. The father told me, he said, well, you'll find when you receive your glorified body that it's not subject to the natural laws of the earth. And like I said, I'm 16, 17 years old. I'm still in high school. <clears throat> I said, what do you mean? He said, if you want to walk, you can walk. If you want to run, you can run. If you want to float or fly, you can fly. If you want to float or if you want to float, you can float. If you want to fly, you can fly. If you want to be somewhere at the speed of thought, you can be there. And that really blessed me. That made me with a view towards a glorified body, the body made of heavenly material, made of higher laws, subject to higher laws, and, and can condescend to the lower laws of the earth as Jesus did in his resurrected body, but it's also uh, part of the higher laws of the earth. Uh, another thing from that time <clears throat> was, um, uh, I. this was a little later in high school, I was raised Episcopal uh, Anglican, and so we had a priest 
And of course the pattern was the liturgy and about a 20 minute homily, a 20 minute little story and everything. And that was it. And that's all I knew of ministry. That's how ignorant I was as a, a teenager. I did, you know, I went to a teenage, uh, and, and adult, you know, prayer meetings, prayer and praise meetings on Thursdays, Saturday night and Sunday night, uh, Barbara and I attended, but we just knew our denominational church and I knew I was called into the ministry and everything, but I couldn't imagine being a priest and I couldn't see Barb being the wife of an Episcopal priest. I was really, really concerned about it. And one day, I came, I remember walking through the door, I had, it was a hot summer day, you know, between school, whatever, I had on some gym shorts and a t-shirt, and and uh, and the father spoke to me, and he said, he said, turn to 1 John 2, 27. I said, now? He said, yes, now. And it says, the anointing which you received of him uh, abides in you, and it's a truth, and it's not a lie, and that anointing will continue to teach you. You don't, you don't need any man to teach you, but that anointing will teach you all things for it's the spirit of truth. And that's a paraphrase of it. And, and that's so, that brought me relief. Of course, I've received many things from great Bible teachers. Don't get me wrong. But the core kernel of truth is that, uh, that the, the Father was promising to teach me and that that scripture, 1 John 2, 27, is for everybody. We have the anointing. Of course, later, you know, you think through it and you realize they didn't have all the New Testament canonized back then. They were, had a letter here and a letter there. And so they relied on the Holy Spirit within them. And so that was such a blessing to me. And it stayed true to this day that the anointing which I've received of him is uh, teaches me. He teaches me and has taught me. Um, let me share with you, um, you know, what, early on, early on, <clears throat> I was reading through the book of Revelation, the White Throne Judgment and all that. And I just asked the Father one day, I said, I said, I know you to be such a good father. How can you send people to hell? And he said, I don't. And I said, Father, I've read the end of the book. You know, I, I know what happens. And and he said this. He said, he said, what is the job of a jury? And I thought for a minute, I said, well, a jury decides guilt or innocence. And he, he said, correct. He said, and you've read John 12, 48 that says, uh, where Jesus said that I have, there is one that will judge him on that day. The words that I have spoken to him, that will judge him on the last day. I said, yes, okay. And he said, what does a, a judge do? And I said, well, see, the jury decides guilt or innocence. The judge just applies the sentence. And he said, exactly. And he let it go at that. That's what he does. He just applies the sentence. So that was a good lesson. And then uh, a little bit Later part, I won't say part of the same conversation, part of a continuation of that. He said this to me. He said, your body gives you authority while it's alive on the earth. But when your body dies, your spirit and soul automatically become subject to the kingdom of which you're a citizen. That was so huge to realize that. Again, your body gives you authority while you're on the earth. But when it dies, your spirit and soul automatically becomes subject to the kingdom of which you're a citizen. And that was a, that was a good one. That was a good one. I just, I suddenly knew, you know what, it, it just, all sorts of scriptures just started making sense. Um, <clears throat> you know, and maybe I'll, I'll leave you with this funny one too. Right after uh, Barb and I were baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, we took a bike ride out in the country. That was, some of our earliest dates were back in the days when there wasn't much traffic out on country roads and people weren't crazy. And we took our, our 10 speeds and we would ride 10, 15, 20, 30 miles, 35 miles. That was many of many of our dates, our time together just hanging out was Barbara and I. And we would, 
I began singing in the spirit <clears throat> and she started speaking, singing in, you know, in English and, and everything. And she's got a, a nice voice and, and I don't, you know, I couldn't carry a tune <clears throat> in my uh, estimation. And so I was compl I was being silent and Barb was like, come on, let's sing to the Lord. Let's worship. Get with it. <laughs> She's so direct. And, uh, and I was felt embarrassed. And just like that, the father spoke to me and he said this, he said, I created both the songbird or both the songbird and the crow, and I enjoy hearing them both. <laughs> so I go call, you know, and I still sing to the Lord. I'm not the songbird, but uh, you could classify me as a crow. So anyway, those are a few of the things. Uh, I have several more uh, that uh, to to share with you, and I'll I'll do that in the uh, next week. But um, anyway, so this is part three of things that I've learned, one-liners, things that the Lord has spoken to me or the Father. I uh, hope it's been a blessing to you. Visit our website, cwowi.org. And remember also to see that interview if you'd like on Deep Believer channel on YouTube. All right, God bless. Bye-bye.